0: Hi, this is Robert solace I'm a former Air Force captain, and I uh, was a missile launch officer in 1967 in Great Falls, Montana, stationed at Malmstrom. And uh, when a UFO came over my launch control facility, uh, affected my missiles, shut them down, and I can prove that. Uh, I have a book called "Faded Giant," uh, and. You are listening to the Dr. Sky Show. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dr. Sky Show, heard exclusively here on teentalknetwork.com and on the many radio stations around the nation that air the Dr. Sky Minute. And also a special hello and thank you to our flagship radio station, KFNX, News Talk Radio 1100, the undisputed 50,000 watt powerhouse of the desert southwest. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're a newcomer to the Dr. Sky Show, our show is always jam-packed with the best guests from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, and from time to time, some very special celebrity guests. And today, ladies and gentlemen, it is a true privilege and honor to speak to a man who proudly served his country, and equally important, the co-author of a fascinating book entitled "Faded Giant, The 1967 Missile UFO Incidents, Something that each and every person out there with an open mind certainly needs to hear. And before we speak with our guest, Mr. Robert Salas, a brief introduction is in order. Robert Salas, a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy, served on active duty for seven years. He holds a master's degree in aerospace engineering from the Air Force Institute of Technology and a master's degree in education from the University of Washington. Sallust worked briefly as an engineer for Martin Marietta Aerospace and Rockwell International and then went on to serve 22 years in the Federal Aviation Administration until his retirement in 1995. He is currently teaching high school mathematics and he has spoken publicly about the events described in Faded Giant since 1995. He and his co-author James Klotz have written this phenomenal book, which has gone across the world and even onto the stage, ladies and gentlemen, just weeks ago on the international television stage from CNN, Fox News, and many other journalistic experiences. And with that, I'd like to welcome to the program former United States Air Force Captain Robert Salas. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Dr. Scott Show. Thank you, Dr. Skye. I really appreciate that introduction. It's uh, great to be on with you today. Well, thank you so much, sir. You know, this subject has always been fascinating to our listeners, and I myself had the privilege and honor of speaking with the Dr. J-, J. Allen Hynek when I interviewed him when I was in college a long time ago uh, there at Northwestern University when he appeared on the radio. But just briefly, if you would be kind enough, sir, just describe to us what is a faded giant. I understand this is a military term. Uh yeah actually technically uh, I think faded giant is any incident involving a um, nuclear facility that could, that could be a um, uh power, power generating plant or uh some other nuclear facility. We we kind of used the generic term for some sort of uh, nuclear incident uh for our book because it, it sounded uh well it sounded good to us. <laughs> Well, it sounds very good to all the listeners of the Dr. Sky Show, I can assure you, sir. And I'm so fascinated about what you're about to tell us in this approximately 30 minute interview today. According to your story, which is well documented here in Faded Giant, you describe a series of missile, uh, site, excuse me, of UFO sightings over missile silos, particularly those up in the north, northwestern part of the United States. But more particularly, sir, describe the first experiences that were reported to you about unidentified flying objects hovering near or over these sensitive missile silos. Yeah, you know, I can tell you uh, in my own experience that um, I was uh, on on duty in an underground capsule. We call it Oscar Flight. It's about 100 miles east of uh, Great Falls, Montana, near a, a small town called Roy, Montana. And uh, there are two of us that down there in the capsule that are monitoring the missiles, making sure they're on a ready or a go status, and. Uh, uh, my my commander was taking a, a rest break and I get a call from the uh, topside guard uh, that they were observing uh, uh, strange lights in the sky making strange maneuvers moving uh, very rapidly, making odd turns and anyway, they, they announced that these were not aircraft and uh, this was, uh, you know, I took this report seriously although I, I, I couldn't quite, um, you know, grasp what they were trying to tell me but... Uh, So I I just counted the report uh, and uh, went back to my good book down there and uh, five minutes later I get another call, this time uh, they are uh, yelling into the phone, Uh, they're uh, clearly frightened. Um, The guard says that they're looking out at the front gate and they see this glowing red object, it's about 30 feet in diameter, pulsating, uh, and uh, it's oval shaped, it's Hovering just above the front gate, and uh, they wanted me to tell them what to do next. Uh, I think I told them to make sure nothing comes in the perimeter fence. Uh, They had all their weapons drawn up there, and uh, it was a tense situation. Um, Well, I hung up the phone. I went to tell my commander about these phone calls, and uh, as I was telling him about them, uh, the missiles uh, started going into what we call a no go condition. Uh, In other words, they went from an alert status to a disabled status. This is an amazing story, ladies and gentlemen, about what you're about to hear in greater detail. But before we go into the meat of the actual sightings and what experiences you've had with these sightings and your crew, describe to us, sir, the entire Minuteman missile system. I find this to be very fascinating. And I must say this in all honesty. I watched you on many of the major networks, and I say this again. This is my opinion. I didn't see them go into any of the detail that we're about to go into today because I think it's very important for the listeners of the Dr. Sky Show, sir, to understand that you served your country, and I want to salute you first for your service to our country. And equally important, I think people out there may have a misconception. What is the Minuteman missile system? And describe to us in some detail what your role was. Okay, well, the Minuteman One is a three-stage solid propulsion missile, of course, with a warhead. Uh, approximately, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say in general, the warhead was about 300 kilotons. Uh, I, I know they changed the, the warhead from time to time, but uh, just to put that in perspective, the the warhead at uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki was 15 to 20 kilotons. Right. Uh, but uh, we had, uh, I think, uh, at the time in 1967, we have had about 150. Uh, actual uh, missiles, Minuteman 1 and uh, Mod, uh, Minuteman Mod missile was a follow on to that, uh, in Montana alone. But of course, there were missile bases uh, in other of the northern tier states. Um, each missile was independent uh, of, of each other. In other words, uh, we could fire them in salvo, but uh, in general, the, the missiles were um uh, you know self-contained. Right. They had their um, they had backup power, their own backup power systems, uh triply redundant power. We had triply redundant shielded cables uh, that uh sent the signals to the missiles and again these signals had to go individually. Yeah, one one thing I'd like to point out in particular Please. is we we did receive a document from the Air Force under the Freedom of Information Act. And in that document, uh, this is a historical um, document, it's a unit history document. But in that document, it talks about, uh, in particular, the ECHO flight, um, the fact that um, the uh, we got two signals, uh, two messages uh, during the shutdowns. One was guidance and control system failure, and the other one was logic coupler failure. And... Uh, they they actually stated verbatim in there that, uh, uh, that in, uh, this was a highly uh, unexplicable event because each of the logic couplers would have had to fail from the same cause uh, within seconds of each other. That's so uh, if you can determine the probability of that, uh, you can figure out how unlikely this was. Well, let me describe in, in a little more detail for the audience here, and I'm just taking this from your book. The Minuteman 1 missile was a three-stage solid propellant ICBM about 58 right. feet tall, about six feet wide in the base. But what I find most fascinating is this particular system, as you describe here, the control systems are up and running 24 hours a day. This means what? That the gyroscopes were always spinning and the electronics is always powered up. So what happened during these particular incidents is totally amazing that the alleged object that was seen not only by many other people, of course, not by yourself, because we want to make that caveat, you are underground during the whole time, correct? Right, Mm right. But the point I'm trying to make is something came over this particular uh, missile silo or this particular complex, and yet, to this day, it's never been explained what caused these missiles to go what? Offline, is that the term? Uh, right, offline, but uh, I want to emphasize that the uh, the guards upstairs had absolutely no control over these missiles. There's no way they could have propagated some kind of a hoax uh, and, and had these missiles shut down. At the same time, they announced that there was a UFO overhead, uh, so I, I just want to emphasize that. Well, also, uh, just to remind the listeners, you're listening to an exclusive interview here, a special book and a special author today. We're speaking today with former United States Air Force Captain Robert Salas. He and his co-author James Klotz have written this phenomenal book called Fated Giant. It refers to the 1967 missile UFO incidents. He's joining us from his home in California today on the Dr. Sky Show. And, sir, I really appreciate your time because, to me, this has always been, as one who studied this UFO phenomenon for many years, looking at the, even if there's 2% of the sightings that are unexplained, doesn't this one continually come up in its class as being still yet unexplained? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, we never got an explanation. I was there for another two years uh, doing the same job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no one ever explained to me why, why our missiles went down under these circumstances. Um, from other witnesses, I know that as late as 1972, the Air Force was still investigating the Echo Flight shutdown, the Oscar shutdown, and uh, and could not come up with a fix. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, we're we're waiting for an explanation still from the Air Force. Well, Ex- I gather you're not very popular in then the military circles, or do they really care at this point in time? Because. I would imagine that since they can't explain it or will not explain it, uh, just personally on a one-to-one level, have you experienced uh, some criticism of this as about going public about something? And I salute you for going public, of course. Uh, yeah, no, I have not heard word one from the military either. My, either way, either my classmates or or the official, you know, military. Uh, either way, uh, I think they don't want to uh, talk about this because. Uh, uh, we have, I think, outstanding backup support evidence uh, supporting this case, and I don't think they want to uh, challenge me on, on any of it. I mean, we've got uh, the two uh, flight crews, uh, I mean, missile crews, rather, um, uh, and uh, and we've got other supporting witnesses. Uh, two of the witnesses that spoke in Washington, D.C., uh, Robert Jameson who... Uh, was that uh, brought my missiles back up on alert, uh, also was informed this was a UFO event. Uh, we've got Dwayne Anderson, who was in the Cryptographic Center, who uh-huh. saw the message that went out, uh, informing uh, uh, SAC headquarters this was a UFO event. So uh, I think we've got a solid case. And I think you certainly do, sir, and it's great to have guests like yourself that are trying to stimulate the minds of the American people and the folks of the world because according to research that I've done, this particular phenomenon is not just endemic to the United States. It's also allegedly happened to the uh, then-Soviet Union, uh, and I think the circumstances there might have been much more dangerous if all of a sudden the missiles were launched out of the ground by a mysterious source. So maybe they theoretically could have lost control, but that never did happen in the United States. Uh, Right. Uh, uh, One of our witnesses... um, uh, Bruce Fenstermacher uh, talked about uh, a very similar incident where UFOs came over his site and uh, started lighting up the board. Uh, in his in his words, and so uh, clearly these objects, whatever they are and whoever they are, are uh, very cognizant of how our systems work in great detail well this is interesting because as your book describes on page twenty two and i want to encourage people to get a copy of the book and again if you're just joining us folks on the dr sky show a very special guest as always but today i feel very impressed that this gentleman Uh, former United States Air Force Captain Robert Salas and his co-author James Klotz, writing the book called Fated Giant, the 1967 Missile UFO Incidents. He's with us exclusively here on the Dr. Sky Show today to talk about a lot of different subjects, but I understand that electromagnetic pulse is something that could knock out different types of electronics. Tell our listeners a little bit about what EMP is in case they're not familiar with this. Well, EMP or electromagnetic pulse uh, can be generated from uh, various sources. That's pretty much a generic term. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, one of the Boeing engineers uh, who investigated uh, the echo incident uh, did a bench test and injected a uh, EMP signal. At, I, I can't quote those numbers off offhand. I, they may be in the book, but uh, he was able to um ad- disable the guidance and control package of the logic coupler, in this case, um, at this particular signal, uh, but he could not, certainly not explain how that signal was injected into the system. As I mentioned, the uh, the uh, uh, cables are buried about 60 feet underground. They're triply shielded, um, and uh, each missile would have had to have receive this signal within seconds of each other. Amazing. Totally amazing. And to the best minds out there, I mean, we could all speculate that our government with black projects may have some sort of devices that, of course, can do these things, or maybe other governments of the world. But I tend to doubt that, Robert. You know, you spent your time in the military. I find this to be a totally amazing story that it seems very much otherworldly that when we see uh, the descriptions or read about the descriptions that the uh, people on the ground saw on base, it doesn't look like any conventional aircraft, correct? No, no, this is not a conventional aircraft, uh, uh, unless you know of an aircraft that can uh, hover silently over, overhead and uh, and inject uh, some sort of signal, uh, a specific signal, 60 feet underground, and penetrate the cables and no this was not a conventional aircraft <laughs> no not at all and thus it gives us this open mind here on the dr sky show that this particular series of events as I, as I described before as a man of science myself and of course a man who spent a lot of time of course getting your advanced degrees you understand very clearly by looking in the sky that there are so many identifiable objects and that's what we try to do here on the dr sky program and in our public programs that we do from the astronomy side I give this challenge and make this challenge to people out there. I say, well, I'm open-minded about the UFO subject, but I say even more so because I learn about the nighttime sky and try to help people learn about what what those objects are in the sky. And once you know the roadmap of the sky, you can discount these things, maybe one that doesn't know about Venus or one doesn't know about other objects. But even if it's the 2%, like we're talking about today, this to me seems like one of the most amazing sightings in all of, of history and you were there with your people to, uh, you know, witness this firsthand. But I'd like to know a little bit more about this. If you can tell me, your incident that you're talking about, can you give us a date and and year for this particular incident? Because I know there were many of these. Yes, my my incident was March 24th, 1967. The way I've been able to nail down the date, because, of course, I I had no clear memory of the date, uh was because of uh, primarily of lieutenant uh, i'm sorry yeah L- lieutenant at the time jameson uh, he was uh, head of a retargeting team uh he was called in on that day on uh, on a date uh to go out to oscar flight and restart the missiles uh, but he also recalls the um uh, knowing about the belt sighting. Uh, we'll we'll call it the belt siding this is uh a well-documented sighting where a truck driver sees a UFO uh, kind of pacing his truck as he's driving towards Great Falls on the uh, evening of the 24th, early evening of the 24th. Well-documented. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we got the complete blue book files on it. And uh, and that's what Jameson remembers hearing about on the day he went out Oscar-flying. And, of course, this is all... Jameson's testimony, it's, it's, it's uh, in his affidavit. Uh, the other incident uh, that I talk about is the Echo flight incident, March 16, 1967, so about eight days earlier, we had the Echo shut down, uh, all 10 missiles again, UFOs overhead, and again, we've got uh, witness testimony of the Deputy Walt Fiegel uh, and the Commander uh, Eric Carlson. Uh, my commander was Fred Mywal, and he's also, uh, you know, I've got uh, audio recordings of him uh, saying that, yeah, that's how he remembers my incident, the incident I talk about. Uh, Walt Beagle, I've also got an audio recording of him talking about his incident. with That's fascinating. Friend. So we, we've got, like I said, a solid case, uh, and uh, and other witnesses supporting it. No, it's a very fascinating story. And as you go through your book, you describe reasons, and these are not your opinions. These are just taking it from both sides. Give the audience a little bit about good reasons why not to be open, meaning from the federal government side, about the revelation that UFOs exist, and then take the other side about why we should be able to know that this particular story might very well be a true visitation of other than you know our humankind, just describe both of those sites for our audience. Yeah, I tried to go through some uh, points of view. You know, taking it from the government point of view, that uh, if if they released this information and made it public, uh, could there be widespread panic? For example, would the would the stock market be affected? For example, or right. uh, how people think of religion, things like that. Um, and and of course um you know we we don't know we don't know how these uh, how, how it's going to play out there um of course the the, the government uh, may have other reasons such as they can't control these things so how, how do they announce to the public that they have have no control over any of this and, uh, and then, and of course the other thing is they might have back engineered uh, some of the technology, and, uh, and of course, they want to keep that secret. So uh, maybe those are all good reasons. But uh, bottom line is, uh, the government is should be the arm of the public. I mean, they should be our representatives, and the public has a, a need to know in in order to. Um, have good government, uh, the public has to be informed. I mean, that's one of the foundations of our democracy, I think. Now, you say it so well, and I quote from page 28 here, and I quote, Truth is stranger than fiction, but it is because fiction is obliged to stick to possibilities where truth isn't, end of quote. Mark, Trump, Mark Twain, of course, among... There many people who, of course, would agree with that, but Mark Twain is the author of that. Right. I find that statement uh, and that quote to be very much in line uh, with what we're talking about here today, what is truth and what is fiction. And just give us some closing comments on this, because all of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm sitting at home watching CNN and flipping back to Fox News, and I hear about this story, which I've always wanted to at least talk to the person. I've been in search of you for a long time, sir, and Again, I'm very glad that we've been able to meet uh, here together in this interview. But describe uh, this whole process of now coming out in the open with this subject. I mean, how long had you planned to do this news conference? And tell us a little bit about the experiences that you've had. How has this been received? Yeah, I've uh, been speaking about this, my particular case, for over 15 years. Uh, about a year ago, uh, Robert Hastings and I decided to, uh, by the way, Robert Hastings wrote the book UFOs and Nukes, which I can recommend. And, Uh, But about a year ago, we decided uh, we've got so many witnesses out there that can testify to the fact that we have had these objects overfly nuclear facilities, and in my case, of course, uh, shut down our missiles. It was clearly a national security event, but the Air Force has hidden behind this policy they've had since 1969 that uh, any UFO incident uh, they they ever investigated or heard about uh, did not affect national security which is uh... completely false and misleading and uh... and so that's the confrontation we have right now that was the purpose really of the press conference to have a direct confrontation with the air force about that statement because we've got seven witnesses that say no that's not right uh, in fact uh... we have had ufo experiences at our nuclear weapons bases, and we we would like answers. We would like the government to uh, fess up and admit that there is this is a real phenomenon. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is, but it is a real phenomenon, and uh, and we'd like them to come clean about it. I wholeheartedly agree, sir. And one of the things also in your book, I'd be remiss if I didn't go over it, is also and as i describe it above ground missile and ufo contact the big Sur, off vandenberg air force base incident describe uh, to us about this whole story because this is what one of the first times that an alleged ufo intercepts a dummy warhead and does what well uh... the uh, the incident you're talking about happened uh... uh during a flight uh, a test flight out of vandenberg air force base um, uh, the the, the uh, Robert, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now, Robert... Uh, That's okay. What's that? That's quite okay. I mean, there's so many of these incidents that are jam-packed in your book, but I think I go more to the point that it seems in the short story that a launch out of Vandenberg with a dummy warhead on some of the video or some of the movie oh, yeah. film that was taken... We find ourselves—at uh, least they claim—that there was an intercept that this pushed the warhead, though a dummy warhead, out of its flight path. That's right. Uh, I just couldn't remember the name of the individual, but absolutely, the uh, he caught on on video uh, this object uh, flying circles around the warhead, the dummy warhead, and actually uh, shooting a, a beam of light at it uh, at various times, and pushed it out of its flight path, so it, it missed its target. Uh, And this was verified by his immediate supervisor, a major Mansman. And uh, they showed this video uh, to, uh, among others, the CIA. CIA confiscated the video and took it off. But Mansman and this other gentleman, um, Robert, um, can you help me with this name? I forgot his name. Anyway, maybe you don't have to answer this. Maybe the major networks never really covered this with the seriousness that I think is surrounding this. I encourage all the listeners of the Doctor Sky Show to get a copy of this book entitled Fated Giant, co authored by Robert Solas and James Klotz. The title of the book in detail, the nineteen sixty seven Missile, UFO Incidents. This is a phenomenal book and you know in the few moments that we have left sir i really gotta ask you a personal question on this what's your fervent belief now i mean you're now out of the air force you can speak your mind what do you think happened and, and where do you think this technology is maybe not just from but uh... what do you think the origin of this type of technology is well i i i am sincerely i am convinced that this technology is not from planet earth uh... it's extraterrestrial uh... i believe what. Happened at uh, at Maelstrom was simply a message. Uh, they were sending us a signal that uh, they they understood our our nuclear weapons. They they knew how to uh, how they worked, and uh, they just wanted to know us to know that, and uh, and 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 sent us the message that we we really need to get rid of these weapons, uh, otherwise we're we're risking our entire civilization well it makes a lot of sense to me and I heard another theory put out there a long time ago and I wonder what your thoughts on this I don't necessarily believe it nor can I prove it nor disprove it back of course when we tested the Trinity site the first atomic bomb at Alamogordo then after that was when we had the sightings of many green fireballs over New Mexico and also a professor of mine in college, Dr. Clyde Tombaugh, who discovered Pluto. I asked him this many years before he died, and he said there was a tremendous wave of sightings throughout the New Mexico area. And then what happens in July of 1947, we have an alleged craft that crashed in New Mexico. Uh, I think you're right on target that I think whatever intelligence is here, maybe first witnessed from afar this nuclear test and you're probably right they seem to hover or go around where we have these type of uh, explosions or the capability for these missiles or weapons of mass destruction to be would you agree i would absolutely agree with that um... uh... i know mister hastings has documented over a hundred cases uh, uh... just like what you're talking about uh, uh... over nuclear test facilities and even during the uh, initial Um, test of the first A-bomb. Well, it's phenomenal, sir, and I really appreciate your time today. Again, the book, Faded Giant, the 1967 missile UFO incidents. Robert Salas is our special guest. He, of course, is a former United States Air Force captain. He co-authored the book with James Klotz. Go, of course, to Google and on Amazon, and you'll be able to, of course, find out where you can purchase this wonderful book talking about a lot about the Freedom of Information Act, gathering information about these sightings that were seen by multiple people. and may indeed have theoretically jeopardized national security, though the Air Force will not comment nor the government officially. Thank you so much, Mr. Salas, and I appreciate your time. I want to thank all the listeners of the Dr. Sky Show. Of course, our program heard each week exclusively on TeamTalkNetwork.com and on the many radio stations around the nation that air the Dr. Sky Minute, along with our flagship radio station KFNX News Talk Radio E1100, the undisputed 50,000 watt powerhouse of the desert Southwest. And in closing, Dr. Sky always reminds each and every one out there to always remember to keep your eyes to the skies. Thank you, Mr. Robert Salas.